This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, September 24, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Are voters wise and judicious, just plain stupid, or are they ignorant, even rationally so? Ilya Solman, an assistant professor of law at George Mason University and a Cato Institute adjunct scholar, believes that federalism is at least one pressure valve without which we might all have to suffer the political choices of fools. What is the difference between stupidity and ignorance, especially with regard to voting? Yeah, well, this is a crucial distinction uh, because stupidity, uh, as I would use the term, means that you're a person with very limited cognitive capacity. That is, you're not good at learning and processing information or reasoning. Uh, ignorance simply means you don't know a particular set of facts. And you can be an extremely smart person and choose not to learn anything about a particular issue area simply because you don't want to, you have other priorities. Uh, for instance, I know almost nothing about modern physics. Part of that is that some of it is just too complicated for me to understand, but part of it is simply because I've chosen not to learn about it. Uh, and this is of crucial relevance to voting because it turns out that often it's rational for even highly intelligent voters to know little or nothing about politics. Why is that? Uh, it's because when you vote, the chance that your vote will actually influence the outcome of an election uh, in a presidential election is only about 1 in 100 million. Uh, your vote will influence the outcome only essentially if all the other votes are exactly tied, and therefore you will cast the tie-breaking vote, so to speak. And you know how likely is that to happen? You know, Almost infinitesimally small chance. Uh, so if your only reason to acquire political information is to be a better voter, uh, to pick the right candidate, so to speak, that turns out to be not much of an incentive at all. And so you can be a very smart person uh, and be ignorant about politics and policy, just as you can be a very smart person and know very little about physics or know very little about professional sports uh, or know very little about any number of other topics that exist in the world, uh, because all of our time is limited, uh, you know, all of our mental capacity is limited. So no matter how smart you are, uh, there's going to be a lot of things that you don't know much about. Uh, and for the majority of the population, politics is one of those things. Uh, most people are not that interested in politics for its own sake. Sake, and so they end up not acquiring much political knowledge. People who are inclined to vote, whatever their level of intelligence, should they go out and acquire those facts or should they just stay home? Uh, it's, it's a good question. Uh, I think society might well be better off if they did acquire more facts uh, because they would vote in a more rational and effective way. The problem is the individual voters' incentives don't align with that, right? Like if all voters simultaneously or a large percentage of them learn more, uh, then of course uh, we would all be better off. But any individual voter doesn't have much incentive to do so because there's so little chance the vote will make a difference. Now you say, well, what if the voters who are relative ignorant just stayed home? Uh, I think in some ways that, that would actually improve things. Uh, but the difficulty is you would get an electorate that's highly unrepresentative. Uh, the voters who tend to know a lot are different from the rest of the population in many ways. They're more affluent. They're more likely to be male. They're more likely to be white. Uh, they are actually somewhat more likely to be conservative than liberal, uh, despite uh, conventional stereotypes of conservatives as the quote-unquote stupid party. Uh, and you know there there are other uh, there are there are other distinctions. Uh, so. I think the the more ignorant vo voters staying home 
would improve things in some ways, uh, but it would also cause some uh, flaws and biases in the electoral system. Moreover, and there's a second part to this problem, even if you do acquire a lot of political knowledge, there's also a question of, do you have an incentive to evaluate that information in a rational way? Uh, notice that because there's almost no incentive to acquire political information to be a better voter, it is likely that those people who do learn a lot about politics learn about it for other reasons. Uh, and in fact, the reason why they tend to learn about it is because they're interested in it for entertainment purposes. Uh, that's what the survey research suggests, just as I know a lot about the Boston Red Sox, not because I feel that I can affect the outcome of Red Sox games, uh, but because I just find it fun to root for the Red Sox and against the Yankees. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with acquiring political information for that kind of reason, uh, but the problem is when you do acquire it for that reason, uh, you end up being biased in, in the way you evaluate it. So for instance, uh, when I acquire information about the Red Sox, I don't do it so that I can evaluate them in a rational, unbiased way. I do it because it's fun to cheer for them and to hate the rival New York Yankees. And therefore, I'm not likely to be very unbiased about the way I evaluate information that makes the Red Sox look bad uh, or that makes the Yankees look good. I'm going to tend to uh, reject that kind of information. And similarly, if you acquire political information because you're, so to speak, a fan of your particular party or ideology, you're likely to be highly biased in your evaluation of that information as well. Uh, you're likely to reject information that makes your party look bad and overvalue information that makes it look good. Uh, and lots of experiments suggest that that is exactly how most voters process information. Does the internet make that problem worse? There are differing views on that. Uh, my sense is that the data is equivocal and that, and it suggests that the internet doesn't make that much difference in that respect because the, pe the kinds of people who make heavy use of the internet uh, of political sites on the internet are the kind who in a previous generation would have spent a lot of time reading newspapers, magazines, and so on. Uh, and it's true, people tend to read those websites and blogs that conform to their pre-existing views. But in an earlier generation, they would do the same thing with newspapers and magazines and radio programs. Uh, I think also there's a few studies which suggest that on the internet, that problem is slightly less bad than it was in earlier generations because even if you're on, say, a liberal blog, it might have links to conservative websites right there, so it's easy for you to go to the conservative one, whereas if 50 years ago you were reading a conservative magazine, it's unlikely that you, know, you could push a button on that conservative magazine and punch up a liberal one, uh, so that uh, therefore there might be a little bit more exposure to sources of opposing information for heavy internet users than there was for, say, heavy newspaper readers. You argue that uh, federalism is a is in a sense a solution to the the, the problems associated with uh, voter ignorance and these uh, pervasive biases. But aren't those biases and ignorance isn't that going to express itself even at a, at a more local level as well? Uh, of course it will. The one difference still between the local level and the national one uh, is that. At the local level, in addition to voting at the ballot box, it's much easier for you to vote with your feet. So, for instance, if I live in the state of Virginia uh, and I find that I really don't like the policies in their state, there's bad public services, too high taxes, whatever, I can potentially move to another state where the policies are better. And when I make the decision to move or the decision to stay, 
uh, whatever I choose to do is going to be decisive. My vote is not one out of 100 million. My vote is one out of one. Uh, and that gives me a much stronger incentive to find out whether living in Maryland really will be better than living in Virginia for me uh, or, or not, uh, as opposed to finding out whether you know, the Democratic candidate is better than a Republican candidate, or even if I do invest in a knowledge, the chance that my knowledge will have any effect is infinitesimally small. Uh, and indeed, I think it's this very intuitive. I bet almost anybody listening to this program, you probably spent much more time deciding where to buy your last house than you spent deciding who to vote for even in a presidential election. That's not because the presidency is less important in your house. It's because you intuitively realize that, uh, you know, that when you buy a house, your choice will be decisive, whereas when you vote for the president, it won't be. Ilya Solman is an assistant professor of law at George Mason University and is a Cato Institute adjunct scholar. He blogs at the Volokh Conspiracy. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. If you have a comment or a question, please send it. My address is cbrown at cato.org.